Hello? We be there. Yesterday, while I was in enemy territory with all the ladies here, today I feel a little bit more comfort until uh, I now, there we are, electrified. All right. I'm looking behind this pulpit here, and I'm thinking my mother uh, was out of a family of 12. My father was born crippled with polio, but he was still six foot two inches tall. My mother was four foot ten. Guess which one I took after? And I'm getting this chest high right now here. But the dynamite comes in little packages. Amen. Take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 6. It's great to be with you. My wife and I were here last time, uh, just a few months back. And at that time, we had no idea, but pastor allowed us to present what the Lord has called us to do in Saddle Up Ministries. And we've been in the ministry 52 years. And at that time, 52 years of life, we turned a page. Now we've been traveling full-time since last August. I want to publicly thank you and personally thank you for your sacrifice monthly for Mrs. Smith and I uh, to be able to travel. Thank you for the privilege it's been to be able to be part of the ladies' retreat. And uh, my wife and I live in that 24-foot trailer back there. And we do have a home that we've rented up in Iowa since we moved from Kentucky. We've been in that back there for about three weeks. It started out 24 feet. Now, we've had it for several years, 24 feet, but this week it's 12 feet long right now. And uh, I tell you what, we've got three more weeks in it before we head back to Iowa. Um, it's supposed to be in Iowa the 29th of October. But it's a joy to be with you, and I really enjoyed being with the ladies yesterday tried, and Friday. Tried to take care of Mrs. Hank's sins, but there was not enough hours in those 24-hour period of time. So we're going to work on that today. And then by tonight, we hope that we can have her right with God. If not, we're going to put her back in jail. And so Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. I've known Mrs. Hanks for quite a few years. It was during the Civil War that we first met. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, Mrs. Hanks, we've only got one more day to go. And so we're going to take How many of us enjoying that so far? We just figured we'd lock and load and keep firing. And uh, so would you stand together with me if you can, if you can. We're going to start looking at verse number 8, and we're going to go back to verse number 1. Very familiar passage of Scripture, but a very unstudied passage of Scripture. So oftentimes it's been saying the Lord's Prayer, or it's saying the model prayer. But there's something that Jesus wanted to accomplish here in this passage of Scripture. And we want to take some time and we look at, want to look at three special different things. Then I'm going to give you ten points for that lesson. I believe with all my heart in this time and place that we're on this earth, God's people ought to be spending more time in prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing in 2 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17. But yet God's people have learned to mechanically live the Christian life. That's why we are seeing the attacks and the onslaughts of the devil greater than we've ever seen them before. I believe it's time for God's people to get back in the position we're supposed to be because I'm going to give you a relation, a statement right here, and if you get nothing else out of the lesson, I want you to give this. Prayer is you and me that are saved showing God we want personal time with him. It's not wrong to ask. Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, deceiveth. To him that seeketh, findeth. To him that knocketh, it shall be opened unto him. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But evidently Daniel understood this. Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. The situation is life has become more busy but less with God. Life has become more difficult but yes with God. I don't want to know yours, and I don't want you to know mine, but I know how can I ask God for his deliverance, his protection, 
his provision, his presence, his guidance, if I decide not to spend time with him alone. That's why it's so vitally important that you and I, as his people, take the example that he's left for us, spending time with the Father. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day. I beg of you, Holy Spirit of God, to please fill me and anoint me for this fresh anointing. I yield myself to you. I thank you, Father, for the privilege it is to pray. I thank you, Father, for the privilege it is to know I can ask. But Father, I thank you for the privilege it is that you provide. But God, how you hunger for us to be in your presence. I ask you to fill me again with a fresh filling and a fresh anointing. And I ask that you'd bind the devil, the demons of hell, and put a hedge around us during this Sunday school hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse number eight, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of when ye ask. After this manner, therefore, pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. In the perfectly preserved scriptures, these verses were stuck in an interesting passage of scripture. I'd like you to take your Bible and go with me now to verse number one of Matthew chapter six. Verse number one of Matthew chapter six. In verse number one, we say this, see these words, take heed. That's the introduction of this chapter six. Take heed. God's saying, pay attention. God's saying, look in detail. God's saying, this is vitally important. God is saying, I want this to be a priority of your life. Then he takes us and turns us to actions of the Christian life. And that's the word, little word alms, A-L-M-S. Watch the Bible now, please. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Let's define the word alms. The word alms can be defined in a multiple ways, but this is a way that I have it wrote in my Bible. Donating or giving your time, your money, your services, your resources to others. God says things you do as a Christian, things that you do for the brethren and for the non-brethren should be done in a private and a secret manner. Now, before I go any farther, there is place for public prayer. There is place for open prayer. But God is focusing to us now that he wants an intimate time with us. He wants a time that I spend only with him. He wants a time that I dedicate, dedicate, designate to spend that time with him. Now, when he says that you and I are to pray without ceasing, that's an ongoing relationship. In 1969, I saw for the very first time the wife that I've been married to for 52 years. In August of 1969, I asked her, or I began to learn more about her. I observed where she sat in chapel. We were in Bible college. I observed who her friends were. I observed who she ate with. I observed everything that I could at that time about her. So oftentimes in our relationship with God, we observe what God does, but we've still not developed a relationship. I hungered for a relationship with her. Matter of fact, when that relationship began on October the 25th, 1969, I wanted more of it. 
And after a long period of time, she wanted more of it. In other words, the t- you're supposed to laugh at that. Catch up with me now, please. And what ended up happening in May 22nd, 1971, I, before my family, her family, our friends, asked her to be my lawful wedded wife. Now, after these years, May 22nd, 1971, May 22nd, 2023, was 52 years. I met her the first time visually. I met her for the first time emotionally inside of me saying, I want a relationship with this gal. I like what I'm seeing. I had to understand, develop an understanding of several things. First of all, I'm from a farm. I'm used to home cooking. I'm not used to stuff out of boxes, cans, not against it, frozen. I want stuff out of the garden. I want stuff that we've raised. So I made a visit with her folks' permission and I required, requested, I didn't require, could I eat some of your cooking? I wanted to make sure that I could live the rest of my life. Matter of fact, I even found out through our conversation, do you sew? Because I planned on busting some holes in some of my socks and I didn't want to go out and buy new socks. I figured there was going to be advancing of the human body from my chest to my drawers, and it did. It expanded in that area, and if there was a button that busted off, I needed to have that button. I wanted to see how she treated her daddy. I wanted to see how she treated her mama. I wanted to see how she treated others. I wanted to go to her church that she came from. I wanted to talk to her pastor. You say, that's kind of getting nosy. I planned on spending the rest of my life with her. I figured it was going to get a lot more than my nose when I finally gave my life to her. Are you with me today? Do you know what? I told her, and I'm just a dumb little bus kid, all I am. My parents really only raised two ignorant children, my brother and sister, but I'm just kind of dumb. But I told her the very first time, I said, I love you. And she said these words to me. Are you sure you're not infatuated? Now, because of my educational process, I'm ignorant in certain languages of the human body, and I had to go look up infatuation. I thought... I can't figure that. Was that a positive statement or was that a negative statement? Basically, she said, you don't know what you're saying right now. In my emotion, I did. In my brain, in my did. In my physical relationship, I did. But in my true loving relationship, I didn't. You see, we want to get saved. Why wouldn't we want to get saved? Why wouldn't we want our sins forgiven? Why wouldn't we want God to give us eternal life? Why wouldn't we want to have our name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? Why wouldn't we want to go to a place where it's wonderful, it's special, there's a mansion prepared, there's no sorrow, there's no sorrow, there's no crying, it's not like hell. Why wouldn't we want that? Why wouldn't we want the ability to thank God for food we eat, safety we have, a home that we live in, clothes that we wear, children that we've had. Why wouldn't we want to thank God for that? But is that all our relationship is? Let's go a little farther. Why wouldn't we want safety on a vacation? Why wouldn't we want our children taken care of when they grow up and they have their families? But is that all our relationship is? You see, the longer I've lived with her, the more I hunger to be with her. The more I've lived with her, the more I've come to know and understand her. The more I've lived her, listen to this, please. Every home except the home we've rented now, we've had to remodel. And this is how we choose paint. We go to the paint store, wherever it be. We get some swaths of paint. 
the color charts. We lay them out at the house in each one of the rooms we decided the color. The Lord be my witness, in 52 years, we've picked exactly the same colors on every house. We would go get swaths for the kitchen counters that would be made of laminate. God be my witness, in 52 years, they've always been the same. In 1977, I got my discharge from the United States Army for the brief time I was there. And in 1979, we heard Don Sisk preach at, I'm sorry, 78, Don Sisk preached at a mission conference that at that time was Baptist International Missions missionary coming home from Japan. He was his first year to be home from Japan because he was a missionary in Japan. I heard Faith Promise Giving. Our first Faith Promise Giving conference, we went ahead and we took the Faith Promise sheets because you've got a Faith Promise commitment coming. The little brochure or the little cards, however you do it, she got one, I got one. All week long in the missions conference, we did this. Dear Lord, as a couple, we want to know what you want us to give. And we prayed every day. On the last night of the first missions conference, we met in our bedroom. I asked her to fill out her card. I filled out my card. And we flipped those cards over after we prayed and asked God that they be the same. God be our witness in all the missions conferences that we've participated in our home churches, the mount has never been different. It's always been the same. Well, that's a miracle of God. No, it's not. It's a relationship that has been developed beyond physicalness. It's a relationship that's been developed beyond requirement of a husband and wife. It's a relationship that's been developed far. And my friend, how well do you know God? How personal do you know God? Well, I've got things I've got to do. I know it. Well, I've got a busy life that I live. I know it. I understand that. Well, I have circumstances and situations and children and job responsibilities, and I'm not attacking, but I understand. But did you tell him this morning how you love spending time with him? Did you tell him this morning how you adore him? Did you tell him this morning how you're hungering to be with him? Did you tell him this morning how much you want to praise him for? Did you raise your hands and thank him for him? Did you thank him for your eyes, your ears? Did you thank him that you can feel his love? Did you thank him that you can feel his passion? Did you thank him that you praised him for your ability to walk, to be able to cry? to be able to hear, to be able to see. What is your relationship and my relationship with Christ is number one, a private relationship. But number two, it's a relationship that he hungers for. So in verse number one, we see in this passage of scripture that he says to do it privately. Let's go to verse number two. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be secret and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. 
So we take from outward what we're doing, and now in the Holy Scriptures, we go to a private place, and it's announced. Now, before we go to that private place, that private place could be an easy chair in the living room. That private place could be on the edge of the bed in the bedroom. That private place could be a closet. That private place could be a place in the woods. That private place could be a chair on a patio. That private place is where you decide that it's your quiet place to get alone with God. Of course, I'm not home, and my wife and I are in the trailer together, but we have private places there. Places that we've decided we're going to have an intimate communication with our Father. Now follow along with me, if you would please, now in verse 6. For thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. God says, I want a private time with you. The word closet gives us the understanding it's to not be in a disturbing area. It's to be quiet. In other words, cell phone shut off. In other words, don't answer the phone. In other words, no music being played. In other words, you've allowed the children, you've allowed your wife, you've allowed your husband to know you're going to be alone with God. You say, Brother Dave, that's almost impossible. No, it's not. You might have to get up early. You might have to find a place all alone. But God's wanting that. God's hungering that. So let's read on. And when thou hast shut thy door, it's private, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as a heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But then we see these words in verse number eight. Be ye not therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Now everybody look up here, please. The largest things I've written down are requests that I have from the father. But I take and spend a lot of time praising him before. That's between me and you. My wife has never seen what I have wrote down. She's welcome to it. If I die before her, she'll see it. If I die before her, my children will see it and my grandchildren will see it. But I'm gonna challenge you with a couple of things here. Number one, learn to praise him first. Learn to praise him and learn to exalt him first. I have an entire section I've developed new this year, understanding that my time is getting short and I wanna memorize more scripture. I'm not ready to go out on the next load, but I'm preparing for a load that will soon come at 72 years of age. And what ends up happening, I know that there's things that are hurting a little more in my body. I know that the arthritis is showing up. And I've told Father that I've not spent enough time praising him. So when I'm reading the Psalms, because in the books that are out there on the table, I've been reading the same Bible reading schedule for over 50 years. I read some of the Old Testament every day, some of the New Testament every day, I read a proverb every day of the day. Today is the eighth day of the month. And I read a section out of the Psalms. And in 20 minutes a day on the Bible reading schedule I've used, I read the entire King James Bible through once every year. Sometimes we read it more than once. But my friend, when you and I don't have a plan, when you sit down in your private place, you're gonna read your Bible, you're gonna pray, have pen and paper, have dictionary, have a quietness, and have things that you're gonna write down. My wife received a text message very early this morning. A young preacher that's just taken over a church. 
The church had a seriousness of immorality. And this young preacher, his first church, is having to step in and take over a very immoral situation that happened in a church. He's doing a fine job. We preach there, and God's blessing, and God's using him. But he has a physical condition that is beyond what I want to illustrate today or even talk today, and he can't stand more than 15 minutes. Today is the biggest day he's had since he's been pastoring that church, and his little wife sent a text message to my wife earlier this morning in the darkness of the day and said these words, would you please, and she mentioned his name, He's going through physical conditioning. We don't know what it is. We've been to the emergency room in the hospital every day this week. This is our largest day that we've had since he's been pastoring. And he can't stand up more than 15 minutes a time. And she said this, I know you and Brother Dave pray. Would you pray right now? Amen. I took my phone. I sent him a text. I sent several texts today. I received several texts this morning of people praying. But when I know someone has gone to a private place, to commune with God the Father, and they brought me before God the Father. How can I do less than bring those that I love, those that I know privately before God the Father, where something can't be talked about in an open way? My friend, there's a God in heaven that he is my Lord, he is my Redeemer, he's my Savior, and he hungers to be with you and me. He hungers not to be with us as a group. He hungers to be with us as an individual. He hungers to hear you praise him, hear you exalt him, hear you love him, hear you desire him, hear you to tell him things that no other human being on this earth needs to hear, but God the Father needs to hear them from your heart and from your lips. Oh, my heart is convicted to pray more. Oh, my heart is convicted to spend more time with the Father. Oh, my heart is convicted. How can I ask him for what I ask him of if I don't spend time with him? How can I tell this lady that I love her and not spend time with her? How can I tell my children that I love them, my grandchildren that I love them, and not hunger to spend time with them? How can I not want an intimate time of just my wife and I talking, my wife and I sharing, my wife and I praising, my wife and I carrying our burdens together? but yet more than the love that I have for my wife and my children and my grandchildren ought to be my love for my Lord. Amen. You see, you and I will soon pass this old life that we live, but we will spend eternity with our Father. Why do we not prepare ourselves for the eternal joy, the eternal praise, the eternal exaltation of God our Father? The sweet spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that indwells you and me will be there. The sweet son of God that hung on the cross at Calvary is right there interceding for you and for me. His precious blood was shed when his father turned his back on him. How can you and I not hunger and not plead to spend time with him and not set a time apart and not set a place that's a quiet place? As I proceed with the next verse, follow along, please. We have the privilege to enter into his presence because we've been adopted. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby ye cry, Abba, Father. What a joy it is to address God as our Father. We have loved and honored our fathers in this world, but God truly is the greatest of all fathers. The omnipotent God is our Father. The omnipresent God is our Father. The omniscient God is our Father. The word omni is he is all. He is everything. Always present and never out of reach. His love is expressed to us every minute of every day and we have the honor to walk boldly into his throne room to speak to him. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7, 
casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Number one, if you want to write some things down, in verse number nine, we read these words. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As I read those words, I wrote this down in my notes. He rewards us with his presence. You know how you have to wait to see a doctor? You have to wait to see an important person. You have to wait and you have to do a schedule. Last night when my wife and I ended the day before I shut my phone off, I went ahead and I received a text message. It's from the chiropractor. He wanted to invite me to come to his office. He wanted to invite me for an adjustment. You can't go to the doctor without an appointment, but you can approach God any place, anywhere, anytime. And he rewards us, number one, with his presence. Psalm 145, verse number 18, the Bible says, The Lord is nigh, meaning he's right there, unto all them that call upon him, to all of them that call upon him in truth. The second thing I see in this passage of scriptures in verse number 10, the Bible says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in earth, as, I'm sorry, in earth, as it is in heaven. The second thing that I see that I wrote down, he number one, rewards us with his presence when we pray. Number two, he rewards us with his peace. Peace beyond understanding. The Bible says in Psalm 34, verses five and six, they looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. He rewards us with a peace. That peace is be all human understanding. In verse number 11, in hastening our time together, I notice these words, give us this day our daily bread. Number one, when you and I pray, he rewards us with his presence. Number two, he rewards us with his peace. Number three, he rewards us with his, listen to these two words, full provision. Full provision. Oh, we'll go to the bank and we'll request and they'll ask, what do you have that you can go ahead and qualify this loan? Well, I have this or I have this, I have this. When I come to his throne, I have nothing to give, but he has full provision for me. Full provision. Psalm 34 verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. I spent a series of time with studying lions. It fascinated me, God's use of the lions in the Bible. The lion male will have what's called a pride. That pride could have multiple female lions in it. But as I just read that scripture, the lions do lack. That male lion will guard his pride. That male lion will search out for all kinds of different herds. He'll look for the weak one in the herd. He'll spend and she will spend their entire lives trying to feed their young. But when you and I pray to God, you and I have full provision. God doesn't limit what he'll do for us. God doesn't limit how he'll take care of us because he promises he will take care of us. When I look at this passage of scripture in verse number nine, I see he rewards us with his presence. In verse number 10, I see he rewards us with his peace. In verse number 11, I see he rewards us with full provision. In verse number 12, I see these words, and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors, he rewards us with something that you and I don't deserve. We'll never deserve it. There's no way that we'll ever deserve it. Listen, please. I have several clearances of maximum security prisons. I've been in a lot of jails and preached in a lot of jails. And they often caution you in your class before you go in there. They say, do not what talk to them about why they're in here. I was preaching in Plover, Wisconsin in a maximum security prison. Mrs. Smith and the pastor and his wife and some other church people were there. We went in through six different lockdowns. There was over 200 men in the prison chapel. The power went off. The lights shut down. Emergency lights came on, but you just heard a massive amounts of click, 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 click as doors were being locked to lock the prison down. The chaplain, of course, was there and a man that got saved that night from North Dakota. He's a full-blood Indian. He walked up to me and he said, may I speak to you for a moment? I knew he had trusted Christ and I saw him on the altar and I saw the personal workers working with him. He's just shedding with tears, a giant of a man. He said to me, he says, Brother Smith, he said, I've killed seven men with these bare hands. He said, I've raped women. I've raped children. Listen to me, please. But he says, tonight, according to God's word, and this is the point you can write down, he gives us full pardon. He is in prison for nine consecutive life sentences. But in God's eyes, he got full pardon that night. And when you and I pray, my friend, we get full pardon. In 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9, the Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Most of us as Christians forget what verse number 10 says. Verse number 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Oh, if we as God's people would go to James chapter 1 and look at James chapter 1, verse number 17. A man that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. My friend, we've raised a generation that can look you right in the eye. Remember when your children and my children were like you and me and they lied to you? And you said, are you telling dad the truth? And there was that pause. There was that hesitation. And they went through that time of thinking, I'll get in trouble if I say I did it. And maybe I can get past and not get in trouble. You and I don't deserve heaven. But when we pray the way God shares us to pray, we have full pardon. Did you spend time today? Do you spend time throughout the day? When somebody pulls in front of you, somebody says something bad about you, something doesn't work out, and our flesh gets out of control, did you spend time and say, Father, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? I enjoyed using a clean washcloth when I take a shower and I enjoy using a clean towel to dry off. I enjoy using my toothbrush and a clean toothbrush, but why as we as God's people go through life loaded with sin? Loaded with sin. You can't open a telephone. You can't drive down a road and look at the billboards. You can't walk through a Walmart sins all around us and it's only going to get worse that's why you and I must stay confessed must stay forgiven because he in our private time with him 
is willing to give full pardon. So, so far we've seen he rewards us with his presence. He rewards us with his peace. He rewards us with full provision. He rewards us with his pardon, verse number 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He rewards us with his protection. My pastor for 23 years, Dr. Larry Brown, said, I don't like riding with you. My pastor for 17 years said to me one day when he was riding with me, he says, Brother Smith, can I ask you a personal question? I said, sure. He said, how come you pray every time before you drive? He says, I've watched you get on that tractor there at the camp and you've prayed. I said, well, preacher, there's two reasons. Number one, God offers me his protection, so I want to invite him on everything I do and every place I go. I said, number two, preacher, years ago, I started getting AAA magazine. Do you realize, preacher, that over 92% of your accidents are happening within 25 miles of home? It dawned on me one day, why do we pray for a vacation? We don't just pray driving across town because there's more likely you're going to get hit driving across town than on a vacation. It blessed my heart in 40 years of working in the camping ministry and challenging the boys before they get on a mower, before they do a job. Before they start in that day, they spend time alone with God. I'll see them in a camp truck. I'll see the guys in the cab and they bow their head. They'll ask God to help them to drive maybe a half mile, to drive just a short few feet. I've watched them when they've, before they start a string trimmer. Dear God, would you help this to start? Dear God, would you give me wisdom in doing it? Why have we not taught another generation to spend time with God? That God will offer full protection. I've watched as mamas weren't there and I've taught boys how to use chainsaw to cut brush. And I've looked at them in their eyes and I've said, now it's between you and God. You, number one, do what you've been taught. And number two, you better ask God for protection. To God be the glory over 40 years. Oh, there's been some accidents and some incidents, but it's beyond what God's given us protection. He offers us full protection. Hastening quickly, look with me also in verse number 16 because the Bible says, I'm sorry, didn't give you the reference in number five. First Peter chapter three, verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers, but the faith of the Lord is against them that do evil. God wants to protect us. The problem is we're not giving an opportunity and we're doing some things that we shouldn't be doing, seeing some things we shouldn't see, listening to some things we shouldn't hear. Number six is this in verse 13. In verse number 13, if you look at this, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom, next phrase, and the power, and the power. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, the Bible says, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give to them to the Holy Spirit that ask him? God rewards us lastly Number six, with his full power. So let's review before I end. Number one, he rewards us with his full presence. Number two, he rewards us with his peace. Number three, he rewards us with full provision. Number, that was number three. Number four, he rewards us with his pardon. Number five, he rewards us with his protection. And number six, he rewards us with his power. Public prayers have their place. And even those who pray and seen of men have their rewards. Matthew 6, verse number 5, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. 
It is private praying that God desires most. God is not moved by the flatteriness of public praise so much he's moved by the private prayers and praise of you and me in our private closets. Neglecting our prayer closets will not move the hand of God. Our Father, which art in heaven, reigns in heaven, waits our private time with him alone, and this he rewards with open public favor. Please don't say you can't pray because I can walk up to you and we can have conversation. Your Father in heaven is just like that. Please don't say you don't have time because if you wanted somebody to listen to you, you'd expect them to give their time. Why don't you and I decide I really need to show him I love him and I need to spend more time privately with him. Father in heaven, I pray that someone has been helped or maybe encouraged this morning. Thank you, Father. You've allowed us those times to be able to spend with you alone. May our love for you be a growing love as your love is eternal to us. Please bless and prepare our hearts for the service to come. In Jesus' name, amen.